developed a, a bit bigger than just the men. And I thought, well, let, let's, let's talk about this. It's something that we can all relate to and something that each one of us at different times of our lives have had to deal with, are dealing with, or will deal with. It's a little thing called regret. Regret. I heard a story, uh, I shared it last night, I'm going to steal it again. I heard a story earlier this week about a lady that worked for a local council. And uh, that local council were having a party. And so uh, they were having this party at the evening. So what she did is she's gone home and she's baked a cake to take along to that party. But for whatever reason, she decided she would bake a second cake to take to the after party. Now, the second cake had certain special ingredients in it to produce a certain effect in those that were to partake of that particular cake. The kind of effect that's possibly, in her world, appropriate outside of work hours, maybe not the best kind of environment within the context of work. So she's driven to her place of uh, employment, and they were going to have the party, and I don't know how it happened, but as the story goes, she's reached into the back seat and she's grabbed the cake. Problem is, she grabbed the wrong cake. She walked into the council chambers and put down the cake and they had their little party. People started to imbibe of her ingredients and her cake. And uh, as an end result of that evening, things ramped up pretty quick, I would imagine. Maybe they weren't meant to, but as a result of that decision, she no longer works for a local council. Uh, She lost her employment. She lost her job. I reckon she may have had a little bit of regret about that simple decision to either... Uh, put the two cakes together on the back seat or even maybe making the second cake. But I'm sure that when she find out, found out that she was no longer going to be employed there, I have no doubt there would have been a pang of regret inside of her. Can anybody relate to that? You've made a decision and you've, you've come to regret that decision. I've got another friend of mine and uh, he's a wonderful bloke, but uh, he's a real evangelist and he, go, he used to go out and we used to do street evangelism and teams and things. And I remember one day he was telling me the story. He was out and he came across this lady and he was just engaging in conversation with this lady. And one thing led to another and eventually he got to the question that, that sometimes comes out of a man's mouth. He said to her, so, when are you due? Of course, the answer to which was, I'm actually not pregnant. He told me straight after that he regretted what he'd said. He wished that he hadn't have said that particular thing. I could go on and on and on about stories of regret that maybe we have. Maybe it's things you regret that you have done in the now. Maybe it's things you regret about your past. Um, Hopefully not things that we will regret into the future, but regret is something that every one of us deal with and every one of us are confronted with. Who's ever said something and as it's come out your mouth, your spiritual hands are doing this to try to, uh, but you just can't. It's come out, it's out there, everybody knows about it, the person's heard it and you just... Straight away you're going, I wish I didn't say that. There's no time to reflect or think about it. Some regrets hit us in the face immediately, right bang, right there. Other regrets take time. Maybe a month down the track you look back at the way the world's unfolded for you and you can pinpoint to a moment and go, I regret I'm really missing this friendship and I regret saying what I said a month ago because it just hasn't been the same since. I regret not taking that job when that job was on offer. I really should have taken that job. And now here I am three years later in the same place, no advancement, no uh, financial increase, uh, I'm not feeling any more fulfilled. I, I really wish two years ago when that job was offered to me, I wish I had have taken that job. Maybe at an extreme level, there are people who sit back and go, I really wish I didn't marry that person. Maybe there are people sitting going, I really wish I hadn't have had kids when I did. But you have, 
and the consequences have gone on and life is what it is. Some regrets we can change, some regrets we can't. But the thing is, we all have regrets. We all have things in our life that we look back on and we wish that we had have done differently. When I was a kid, I, me and my cousin were quite creative. We used to create games. We would make uh, games and things. So, uh, this is back before computer games and iPads and all technology. We would create board games and stuff. And we would have adults saying to us, man, you need to patent that. We didn't even know what a patent was. But we had adults saying in our, our world, you need to patent that. That is a brilliant idea. And I, I, could, I, could, I could point to two or three things that have come out on the market now that somebody is sitting on the, the beach in the Bahamas you know, sipping on a, a Coke or something and feed up and not worrying about where their food's going to come from for the next 27 years because they actually had the same idea as me, but they went and patented that. Do I have any regret about that? Well, yeah, I do, actually. I, I, I wonder what my financial world could look like today had I done some of those things that people advised me to when I was a younger lad, but I didn't. Growing up, I had two dreams, two dreams. One was to play rugby league for the Balmain Tigers and the other was to sing in a rock band. That's basically what I wanted to do with my life. And you know what? When I look back at, at, at who I was, I had the charisma. I was a little bit charismatic. I could have stood up front on stage and, and I had a bit of a voice, uh, underdeveloped, but I had a little bit of a voice, maybe not for nice, you know, nice angelic worship stuff, but for the rock stuff. <laughs> my voice was okay. <laughs> I used to play rugby league and, and rugby union and I had a, a lot of natural talent. I was quite a good player. I was extremely quick on my feet, very fast, uh, made a few reps. I was, I was good at sport. But you know what I lacked was discipline. I was incredibly ill-disciplined. I was brought up in a home where I didn't have to have discipline. There were no boundaries put around me. My parents didn't put any discipline on my life. I never learned the value of discipline. As a result of that, I never went any further with those dreams. And I look back with regret and I go, I wonder if I had have just disciplined myself and trained a bit better. Or maybe got some, some singing coaching and, and maybe the opportunities that came my way where I was asked by somebody to come and join a band, what if I had just bit the bullet and gone, yeah, I could be playing at Wembley Stadium tonight. You never know. <laughs> Problem is I wouldn't be here. That'd be disappointing, but that's when everyone goes, oh, so glad, Al, you made the decision. <laughs> Praise God for ill discipline. <laughs> Point is we all have regrets, things that we said that we really wish we could take back. But we can't take the actual words back. They're out there. Things that we've done. Things that we didn't do. And we regret that we didn't do them. Habits that we formed. That we look back to a moment and we go, That's, it started right then. I regret. You know, I, 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 I reckon if I was to sit down with, with and, I, and I have over the years, sat down in, in, in counselling sessions and talked to people that struggle with addictions, uh, alcohol, drugs, um, pornography, things like that. And they can go back to that very first moment. And when, when they're clear-minded and you talk to them, you go, go, the first time you ever took that thing or touched that thing or looked at that thing, and they go, I regret that. I wish, because if I didn't do it that first time, maybe, just maybe, I wouldn't be here where I am now. And it started back here, and I regret the very first time that I did that. Regret is common to all people, and we can all relate to it. You know, research has found that there's a direct link between regret and the presence of options. It's one of the reasons why in Western society, regret is actually such a big issue. Regret is such a massive part of our community. I'll give you an example. If I was presented with one meal at a table, let's say we went out to a function together as a church, and the waiters came out to the table and they just put one, there was only one dish, it was chicken. That was it. No, no other dish to choose from, just chicken. And everybody got 
chicken put in front of them. And we would eat that chicken and some of us would love that chicken, some of us wouldn't love that chicken, but at the end of the day, it was what it was. It was chicken. It was one thing, there was no choices. I'm either going to like it or be disappointed by the flavour, but that's the end of the story. Now let's imagine I go to the same function and there's five different dishes. And five dishes are presented and you've got to choose which dish you want. And you choose the chicken. And you don't really like the chicken, but you see the person next to you eating the beef and they just, oh, they're salivating. And they just look like they're in the spirit, just enjoying this meal and lost with God. And you can see angel wings growing on their backs. And you can hear a heavenly choir behind them. And, and it's just one of those moments. And you sit there and all of a sudden you've, you've now opened up, created an environment where it's possible for you to now have regret. Why? Because you had this choice, you didn't take that option. See, regret comes back to my decisions. Regret can, be, can come back to the more choices I have, the more opportunity there is in life for me to regret. And I've done studies on marriage, and they found that marriages in the West, what we, what we call love marriages, that's what they refer to in, in Eastern society, they look at the way we do marriage, and they call them love marriages, as opposed to what they have, and they call them arranged marriages. And they've done research and studies and found that married couples are generally more contented in arranged marriages than they are in love marriages. Because in arranged marriages, there wasn't a choice, so there's no room for regret. I wish I didn't marry that one, I should have... No, no, you only had the one option, you were told who to marry. In the West, people get married and then look back 20 years down the track and they go, gee, my, I wish I had hung on to my childhood sweetheart. What could my life look like now had I married that person and taken that option instead of the option that I'm with. I know, what, I know what this one will take because 21 years down the track I'm living in the moment. But what if I had have taken that other one? Maybe it could have been better. So there's a direct link between the opportunity for regret and the amount of options that we have in life, which is one of the reasons why in Western society regret is a really big issue. The responsibility for the choice, wishing I'd made a better choice, in this way, regret gets a foothold because of my sense of having control over the outcomes. Anything in life where you feel like you have control over an outcome is an opportunity for regret. Many of us live with regrets. And many of us know those regrets, but you know what? Many of us don't know those regrets, but they're anchors that are holding us back from going forward in certain areas of our life. And I just pray over the next couple of weeks, I want to stay on this topic of regret and just want to lay a bit of a foundation about regret this morning and next week we'll talk a bit more about, about, about dealing with regret and, 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 and looking more proactively at how do we separate, how do we get away from regret. This morning I just want to lay a bit of a foundation about it. We've all experienced regret in some way through our lives. It's almost impossible to escape. However, what we regret will be individual to each of us. Statistics actually show that when we're younger we generally tend to regret actions that we're doing in the moment because we're so short-sighted. We think about right now, you know, I went and bought an ice cream and my mate bought a different ice cream and I regret the fact that I bought this ice cream because it's rubbish compared to the ice cream that my, my friend had or I regret, I regret not going to football today because now all my mates are on Facebook looking like they're having such a fantastic time and I stayed home to do a, a research paper and now I'm regretting that decision because we, younger you are, you generally tend to regret things that are more immediate actions that are right here in our face. But as we get older, the regret tends to shift to actions and choices that we didn't make, things we didn't do, when we reflect back in hindsight. Because we know the consequences of the actions we did take because we're living in them now. And when a little bit of unhappiness or a little bit of restlessness comes into our world, it can be easy to look back and go, well, if I had have made a different choice, maybe 
I wouldn't be here. You know? The last three years, our marriage has been terrible and all we do is fight. And, we've got to, and maybe if I had married that girl back here, maybe 17 years into that marriage or five years into that, maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe you would be because the truth is you'd still be the same person in that marriage, so you'd probably still be taking your stuff into it. But this is how we tend to think and this is how regret gets a bit of a foothold. When you're younger, we look at short-term impact. But the older we get, we tend to look more at the longer-term impact of our decisions and our choices. I want to, over the next couple of weeks, look at two different individuals that I'm sure had a great deal of regret in their life. Uh, if you can turn with me this morning, if you've got a Bible there, to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I did something I have never done the other day, uh, last night at the men's thing. I actually had to put my glasses on to read. I've, I've done an amazingly good job, I think, to, to not have to do that, but I'm going to surrender right now. This is an incredible act of humility. I hope you realise how humble I'm being right now by allowing you to see me in my glasses. But I've realised I've surrendered to the fact that if I don't put them on, uh, it's all over. I can't read properly. So, I, get, I can't see, I can't even find the, the book without them on, so I'm going to have to uh, work out a system here that works a bit better. Matthew, we got it up on the screen there? Matthew 27, there we go. I don't even need that now. I've got a big writing up behind me. I didn't see that. Thanks for shout. Tell me you put it up there, Luke. Um, erase the glasses from your memory, people. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realised that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I've sinned, he declared, for I've betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. And Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. I reckon Judas came to a point in his life where he regretted a certain action. He regretted a certain thing that he did. Next week I want to look at another guy called Peter. The Bible gives us a great picture of a particular instance and part of his life where he found himself in a place of regret too. Both of them dealt with it differently and we can learn different things about this issue of regret from both parties. So what we're going to do now is let's just have a bit of a break. Let's go and grab ourselves a, a tea and a coffee. Let's grab a piece of cake. We'll get a 15-minute timer up, Luke, on the screen and we'll come back in about 15 minutes and we'll see where we go with that. So, if you ever, 
What do you normally do Sundays? You just sleep? I regret starting that conversation with you. I regret leaving my microphone on. Uh, and I'll probably regret putting them glasses away, so I'd better leave them out just in case. <laughs> regret. Regret. Something we all live with. We've all experienced, am experiencing, or unfortunately will experience somewhere down the track. If we put that scripture back up on the, on, the, um, on the wall there for us, Luke, Matthew 27. When Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, realised that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the other leaders. I've sinned, he declared, for I've betrayed an innocent man. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realised that Jesus had been condemned to death, he was filled with remorse. Just a couple of thoughts about regret, just to lay a bit of a foundation about regret. First thing is, we need to learn to acknowledge our regret. We need to learn to acknowledge our regret. Circumstances and situations will bring regret to the surface. Usually a crisis or a trauma or a broken relationship or, or, or a, a health crisis. You wake up one day and, and you go to the doctor and you've got a problem and, and you begin to look back maybe at your diet and maybe you regret the fact that you know, when I turned 40, I was told that's the time where you need to stop eating cheeseburgers and you need to start eating a few more oranges and apples and, and carrots and things like that. But I thought, no, well, I'm invincible and I'll just keep going with the cheeseburgers and the McChickens and the fries. And, and one day you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you some news and all of a sudden you reflect back and you go, geez, I really regret not doing something about my eating habits back here. Can you do something about it now? Of course you can, but I regret not doing something back then. Yeah, maybe down the track a, a minor ailment turns into something major and you regret not going to the doctor. Why didn't I go to a doctor way back here? Whoever has these conversations with their, their husbands or wives? Oh, you know, we, we have it quite often and there'll be something wrong and, and Jackie will explain to me something she's feeling and I'm inside going, you need to get to a doctor. You have to go and get this thing checked out now because if you wait six months and then you go, who knows? What, what a terrible feeling when a doctor says, if you had to come a couple of months ago, we could have stopped this. We could have done something about this. So we find ourselves in times of crisis or our world is disrupted and generally in those moments, regret comes to the surface and it's important that we learn to acknowledge regret. Regret is not sin. Regret is an emotion, a feeling. It's a response to what your brain is telling you perhaps could have been a different set of circumstances had I done or had I said or had I not done or had I not said. We need to learn to acknowledge regret. How many of you know that any emotion, emotions within themselves are not sin? Emotions are gauges about things that are going on externally and internally inside of us. And we need to learn to allow our emotions to communicate to us, to allow our emotions to get our attention and show us when something's not quite right or not quite, quite going the way it should be or whatever. We need to learn to listen to our emotions. We're never led by or controlled by our emotions, but we need to learn to listen to them because they're indicators. They're trying to communicate something to us. The Bible says that Judas, who had betrayed him, he was filled with remorse. Judas found himself filled with remorse. And at that moment, 
He had to acknowledge. He had to stop the direction of his life. He'd just done a terrible thing. He had played a role in seeing Jesus Christ sent to the cross. While he was going through that process, I don't know what he was thinking, but what I do know is this. There wasn't enough of a thought process to stop him from doing it anyway. He did it. You know, it wasn't one of those things where you're driving the car and you're getting up to 100 and then you're getting up to 105, then she's going up to 110, and then 115, and then you, as it goes up, you've got this gauge inside going, oh, I better back, oh, I better just slow down, I better back off, I better... That didn't happen to Judas. He didn't go, oh, this sounds like a good idea, feels like a good idea, I'm going to betray Jesus, I'm going to get some money or feels like, a, oh, it's not feeling so good, oh, it's, now it's feeling less of a good idea, oh, oh, no, I don't know if it's a good idea as he went to take that 30 pieces of silver, he didn't go at the last minute, ah, oh, sorry, I can't do that. He didn't change his mind, he took that money. As he led those soldiers to the garden, he wasn't walking along. There's no indication in the Bible that he was going as he's walking. Oh, this was a great idea at the time. It's, it's hard. It's wrong. Oh, I don't think it's right. I'm changing my mind about this. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do it. And he pulled himself out of it. He followed through 100% with the course that he had decided to take. And we all know the story. He betrayed Jesus. But at some moment, he sat back and he realized, you know what? This guy was innocent. What have I done? And regret entered on the inside of him. And he had to acknowledge his regret. We need to learn to acknowledge our regret. Suppressing emotions and feelings will lead to destructive lifestyles. Suppressing how you feel about things will only lead to a negative outcome. We shouldn't be suppressing feelings. We shouldn't be suppressing uh, uh, emotions. We need to learn to let those things come to the surface, not control us, but learn to listen to what they're communicating to us about the world we've created and the world that we live in. Not all regret is about right and wrong. Some regrets are about indifferent things, you know. We obviously if we sin, hopefully we regret that. Who, who regrets it when you do something that you know what we as Christians would term sin. We'd, we, we, sin was an archery term. It was what was called out back in the day they would they would have a target over there and somebody would pull their their arrow and they would shoot it and it would fly through the air and if it fell short of the target the person up the end, because they didn't have microphones and zoom-in lenses to see, there'd be a person up near the target. And if the arrow fell short, the person up there would look back at the guy that shot and call out, Sin! It was literally an archery term that meant falling short of the mark, falling short of the target, falling short of what you're aiming at, where you're trying to get. That's what it was. And regret is not always a question of sin. Did I do the right thing or the wrong thing? As I said, regret can be in reflection, looking at my life now and questioning decisions that I've made in the past. They're not right or wrong decisions, they're just decisions. But I'm looking at my world now and going, maybe it could have been different had I made that decision back then. The truth of the matter is, you didn't make that decision back then. You made the decision that you did and this is where you live right now and we've got to learn to deal with the now and reconcile the regret and reconcile the thought processes that got us to that place. We need to learn to acknowledge regret. How many of you know every decision that you make will lead to regret or reward? Every decision that you make leads down one of two paths. Either the path of regret. I regret saying that. It was the wrong thing. I regret doing that. I regret not doing that. As, as, as life goes on, I look at that moment in time. I could have gone left. I could have gone right. I went left and I regret going left because I'm looking at the consequence. Or our decisions will lead to reward. I'm glad I made that decision because look where I am now. I'm, 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 I'm loving life. I'm loving Jesus. I've got a great wife. I've got great kids. We live in a great place. I'm, I'm glad I made this decision to get married. I'm glad I made the decision to, 
to take my wife out on our first date. I'm really not glad that I took her to the particular movie I took her to because I didn't have an internet to Google whether it was appropriate or not for a first date with a lovely lady. Uh, turns out it wasn't. Um, but she graciously sat through bad boys with me. Um, but 21 years later, we're still going strong. Do I regret that first date? Not the date, but I do regret the film. Certainly regret the film. But every decision that we make leads to regret or reward. Reward is about growth. That decision helps me grow. It makes me more healthy in my body, soul, spirit, my mind. It leads me to prosperity, leading me to success, to influence, leading me to be a better person, to be better, uh, more in love with God, leading me to be a more lively, life-filled contributor to society and to the world. Or it can lead me to regret. And quite often regret is the result of a lot of decisions that we make. First thing is we need to learn to acknowledge our regret. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging it and going, you know what, I actually do regret that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's humility. God knows our heart anyway. He knows whether we regret. Acknowledging things is simply about agreeing with God. It's about coming to a place of being able to agree with God. God knows my heart. He knows how I feel about the choices I made in life. Hiding them, pretending I don't have feelings about them is not healthy for me. And God already knows anyway. So we can acknowledge our regret. Second thing is, know this, action without thought is what causes regret. Acting without thought is generally what leads to regret. It says in, in, in that passage there in Matthew 27, verse 3, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, realised that Jesus had been condemned to die. When he realised that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he didn't realise what his actions were doing. He didn't realise that as he took those 30 pieces of silver that these guys were going to kill the Lord. He didn't realise that as he led soldiers through the garden to where Jesus was, he didn't realise the end result of this is that an innocent man is going to die. He didn't realise this. Well, the Bible's saying that when he realised, after the fact, after he'd done this, when he realised, he was filled with remorse. That word remorse is an interesting word. It's a Greek word, metamelamai, and it literally means this. It means to care afterwards care afterwards. In other words, doing something and thinking about the consequence after you've done it. In other words, acting before thinking. There's an old saying, I, I can't remember where I read it, but it, it, said, it said, action before thought is regret. Thought before action is wisdom. Thinking before we act will minimise the amount of regret that we have in our life. It'll minimise the amount of foothold that regret can get in your world. Simply by learning to do that, learning to think before you speak. Pulling your emotions in line. Forgetting what the rest of the world is saying. Forgetting, being able to just pull everything in at the moment and stop and think before I say that thing that right now my emotions are telling me to just say it to you. If I can stop and think first, I can minimise the outcome of regret. Stopping and thinking about the actions that I do before I do it. How many of you are like me? I like, I, I, I like to be fit and healthy. I like to try to stay fit. I, 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 I'm not a guy that goes 10K running by himself. Boring, I can't do that. But get me in a team environment with a football and I'll play eight hours a day. No drums, I can do that. So that's why one of the reasons why I love playing touch football and I still play it at a competitive level and we train and go away to tournaments and things because that's my thing, you know? And I'm, I'm happy to go down to a park uh, one afternoon with guys and pass the ball around, but I'm not going to just run in a straight line for 10Ks. I just can't think of anything more mind-numbingly boring 
uh, even though it's probably good for you. But I just, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't go off and run. So I like to stay fit and I like to feel good. I like to feel healthy. But you know what else I like? Bacon and cheese zinger burgers. Anyone else like a bacon and cheese zinger burger? I love bacon and cheese zinger burgers from KFC. They're the most expensive burger in the world. I've got no doubt about that. All you get is a bit of chicken and a bit of, bit of bacon. That I actually think they make the bacon out of cardboard. But it doesn't matter. It's got a bit of spice in, the, in, the, in the, the, the crumbs on the chicken and stuff. I love bacon and cheese zinger burgers. But let me tell you something. I am hungry and I've got a few extra dollars and I see the big KFC sign. I don't think. I just act. I just pull up there. I go in. I get my bacon and cheese zinger. I scoff it down. I eat it. I love it. And by the time I take the last bite, I'm so full of remorse. So full of regret, I feel terrible, I feel bloated. I'm sitting there going, oh, it's been terrible. And I always say the same thing, oh, I'm never going to have another one of those. Never going to have another one of those until next time. <laughs> I'm never touching one of them again until I've got one in my hand. And I'm, you know, <laughs> thinking, acting before we think opens ourselves up to regret. We've got to learn to think before we act. And that sounds really, really great and everybody can amen that, but doing it is another thing, isn't it? Doing it's another thing. Yet it's such a key to minimising remorse and minimising regret at the outcome of the choices you make. If we could just learn to stop. I think even now, if we were just to, to reflect and think about our lives and be honest about it, I wonder how different a lot of our relationships would have been had we not said certain things that we said. Had we thought first before we bah, let it out. <coughs> I wonder how different some of my relationships would have been had I acted differently back down the path somewhere. Had I not done some of the things I did or had I done some of the things that I should have done that I wish now in reflection I had have done. If I had have just treated that person a little bit better. You know, uh, you, you probably think a lot of this. I know I do as a parent as I grow up and my kids get older and I reflect back and I think about things like, I wish I had have, 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 have prioritised this more with my kids. I wish I had have done more of this with my kids. 21 years down the track in our marriage, I have moments where I go, I wish earlier on in our marriage I had have learnt to instigate this. I had have done this more, more religiously, so to speak, with my wife. We've done date nights. And when we you know, got married, we used to do date nights once a week. And then life gets busy and kids come along. But you know, every now and then we'll go out and, and we'll, we'll steal a bit of time together and we're sitting in a restaurant we're eating. And while we're there, it's running through my head. I'm thinking, you know what? Why didn't I? Why, did, why are we doing this now? Why didn't I get this as a habit in our marriage 10 years ago? And not just make a decision 10 years ago, but stick to it and go... What could, our, what could the depth of that relationship be like now had I been that deliberate about it and made that choice back then? What if I had have sat down a bit more with my kids and talked a bit more with them? And even if it was just 10 minutes in a day, forget about work, forget about sport, forget about me, turn off the TV, whatever it is, and just sit down for 10 minutes and eyeball them and go, tell me about your day, tell me... How different could my relationship be with my 19-year-old son right now? I'm not saying I have a bad relationship with my wife and kids. I have a good relationship. But it doesn't matter how good it is. I still believe it could have been better had I made some different choices. And every now and then, a situation will occur and there will be a little pang. It's just a little bit of regret going, oh, could be a little different had I made a different choice. Had I thought first. Had I, had I sat down and thought, what's more important right now? Hearing your story, hearing you tell me about your day, or making sure that I don't miss the next try that scored on the 
it's becoming easier now supporting the Tigers. We don't score many tries, so they get a lot more attention off me now than, say, they did in 2005 when we won the grand final. Actions without thought cause regret. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, Who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, the Bible teaches us. We have the thought process of God. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can connect up with God and have wisdom beyond our natural wisdom. We can get the perspective of God on situations. We can get the thoughts of God on situations. If we have the mind of Christ, why don't we use it more often? Why don't we learn to stop, be still, be quiet, and think first before I let my mouth engage? Or think first before I let my emotions engage? Think first before I let my actions get out of control, before I start to form habits, before I start to hurt people, before I start to hurt myself, before I start to do things that down the track are going to have much more regret in them than there's going to be reward. We have the mind of Christ. We need to learn to think. Firstly, acknowledge that you have regret. Secondly, action without thought is what causes regret. Third, we need to personalise and own our own regret. It says in verse 4, Judas goes to the religious leaders, he says, I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. And what do they turn around and they say to him? They say, what do we care? That's your problem. How many of you know your regrets are your problem? They're your issues. Let me tell you the difference between regret and... I regret things that I instigated. I regret choices that I make. I'm disappointed by choices you make. I don't have control over you. So I don't have regret over what you do because I don't have control. I don't have a choice over your actions. I have choices over mine. So what you do to me will cause disappointment to me. What I do to you can cause regret in my own heart. Because regret comes back to choice and option. It's, it's my ability to know that I have a say in whatever the outcome will be. And Judas went to them and it was almost like he wanted them to somehow absolve the regret. Help me with this. He wanted them to change a course of action that he himself began. It doesn't work like that. It's like this. Imagine as a, a, a father or a mother or an uncle or an auntie or whatever, and you have a child in your possession, a child in your influence. And as that child grows up, you know that you have said things that have hurt that child. You know you've said things that have squashed that child. You know you've done things that have communicated to that child maybe a lack of importance in your world, too busy for you, too not interested, it's not that important, blah, blah, blah. I know that there have been things in my world that as I grew up, that if I, 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 and I know, I sit down, I look at my dad when we talk and I can see regret in my father's face. You know what's funny about that? I turned out pretty good. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, and I'm not here saying I'm fantastic. What I'm saying is, isn't it funny that I could do that to my kids? My kids could grow up to be multimillionaires, confident, uh, leading big business, pastoring churches, uh, have raised fantastic families, be better fathers and better mothers than us. They could do all that stuff, be incredibly successful. But when I look at them, their success does not dissolve my regret. It still doesn't help me deal with my regret. 
just because you had personal resolve or ability or took, you made right choices and ended up where you did, just because you ended up in this place here, it doesn't make me feel any less regretful about the things that I said. Isn't it funny? Nobody can deal with my regret but me. I've got to own those areas of my life where I have regret. Here's the thing about ownership. If you don't own something, you really can't do much with it. If you feel like your regrets can be fixed by everybody else, then get used to being comfortable with your regrets because other people can't fix your regrets. And if we live life with regret and we're waiting for somebody else to fix that regret, we'll forever hang on to that. Nobody else can, can fix my regrets. I've got to own my own regrets. And that's one of the first steps towards walking out in a healthy resolution and outworking healthily this whole issue of regret is owning it. Own my own regrets. What Judas was saying was, could you guys put a stop to a process that I started? The religious leaders couldn't change what Judas had done. So he had to stop looking to them to alleviate regret. I've got to take responsibility for my own. Regret comes from my actions and disappointment comes from your actions. He may have been disappointed about what they did, taking Jesus to a cross, but there's disappointment in what they did, regret in his part, regret in what he did. Regret comes from my actions and disappointment comes from yours. You know, when I was younger uh, and I got saved and I went to this YWAM training school and uh, I, I had a, uh, my, my upbringing was very loose, very loose. I didn't have discipline at all. Um, <coughs> I basically did what I wanted. Um, I didn't have a real great moral compass in terms of what was appropriate and what wasn't. Uh, and one of the things that I used to do every now and then is my dad had, anyone, anyone's, Remember old King G's? Remember King G's with the elastic and they always had the two big pockets? And the elastic would always stretch. Always stretch. And, and, but, but the thing that used to bug me was my dad would never buy new King G's. He'd just keep wearing the same ones and they would just get lower. You guys didn't invent this, by the way. You young kids, you didn't invent the pants down here with the undies. My dad did. Because my old man used to have them and they'd just get further and further down and he'd just be forever holding them up with one hand, and, you know? It's like I, one day I saw a lady run up behind him thinking it was a letterbox trying to pop a letter in there. And um, Why is this letterbox moving? Excuse me. And so I used to, one of the things I used to do is when Dad would fall asleep on the lounge and go, I would pull the, cur- the, the, the cushions out and there'd be coins everywhere and I'd grab the coins and go and buy footy cards and stuff. And I remember on one odd occasion my mother had had too much to drink and... and Whatever happened, and, and there was $50, 50 bucks in a purse, a lot of money back in that day. And I took it, knowing that she'd be too inebriated and they wouldn't even notice. I took that much. Nobody knew about it. I went down to the shop and I bought uh, rugby league, foot, like football cards. And I don't know why, you know, I, I would have thought for sure somebody would have picked up, but why have you got 744 pieces of bubble gum in your bedroom? Remember they used to come with the cards and always a stick of bubble gum? And I just had a big mouthful of bubble gum and thousands of cards. Anyway, I went and got, became a Christian and went to this YWAM training school. And, and part of the process was a, a person came in and they were talking about, I don't even remember what the topic was, but I remember God um, showing me what I'd done. Convicting me is the word we would use. Showing me, Al, you didn't hit the mark there. And I felt this, this pang of regret. I thought, I really regret doing that, you know. So here's what I did. I, I sat down, I wrote a letter to my mother. I'd never done this in my life. I wrote a letter saying, Mum... I, I, I've become a, a Christian and I'm, I'm you know, heading down a different way with my life now. And, and I just know that I did the wrong thing when I was a kid. And, and, and I know you don't know about this, but there was one day that just, it just came to my mind, this one day, Mum, I stole 50 bucks. 
out of your purse. I just want to say to you, I'm sorry, and I put $50 in. That was a lot of money for me in that day too because I was uh, a YWAMer and, and didn't have any income and was just sort of praying every day and believing God for money to buy toothpaste and everything, and I had 50 bucks, and I put it in, and I sent it back to my mother. You know. Anyway, about a week later, I get a letter back from my mother. And you know what she said? She said, yes, well, thank you for the $50. You, re- you always were a bit of a bugger and you weren't that good of a kid. And I'm reading this letter going, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. I was expecting her to go, oh, no, no, son, you were okay. It was me. It was all my fault. I'm sorry for being such a bad man. I didn't realise at the time until I got the response. I was expecting her to bow down to me and go, oh, I'm, I'm surprised you turned out so good, Alan. Look at what I did to you and I put you through and all this stuff. And I got angry when I got this letter, you know. But again, it's just, it just shows, though, that I can't be, be thinking that my regret can be dealt with by somebody else. At the end of the day, I pulled myself together and I realised, you know what, no, no, I'm actually free of that regret now. I'm, I'm free of that moment. I'm free of that feeling, regardless of the response, because my regret is mine. I owned that regret and I did what I felt I had to do to go forward and to let go of that anchor, cut that anchor off my life so it wasn't constantly dragging behind me and slowing me down. And I didn't get the response I wanted, but I learned something important about it and that is that I deal with my own regrets. If I was waiting for a response from my mother to okay me to move forward in life, guess what? It still hasn't happened. It still hasn't happened. And you might be sitting there waiting for somebody else, thinking that somebody else will help you deal with your own regrets, It won't happen. It won't happen. You've got to own and take responsibility for your own regrets in life. Do what you need to do. If I own the regret, then I'm suddenly in a position to do something about it. If I don't own it, then I'm very limited in what I can do about it. I feel like a victim instead of a victor, being controlled by somebody else. So acknowledge your regret. Action without thought causes regret. Personalise and own your regret. And finally, the last thing we learn from this story is that unresolved regret leads to death. Unresolved regret will lead to death. You know, studies have shown that there are physical effects of this emotion that we call regret. I got this out of um, a study done by Concordia University in Montreal, Canada, not too long back. And they found this, the emotional distress of regrets can trigger biological dysregulation of the hormone and immune systems that make people more vulnerable to develop clinical health problems, whether a cold or other potentially long-term health problems. So this emotion of regret, when unresolved, floating around inside of us, can have physical effects on your body. It can have actual effects on you. I did some more research into it and found out that one of the, one of the, the, the base causes or starting points for depression, clinical depression, is unresolved regret. Regrets, looking back at your world and thinking, if I had have done something different here, maybe my life would be different, and then feeling powerless to change. Feeling, looking at, at situations and things in life that you regret, but feeling like it's happened, it's past, I literally can't change that. Well, the good thing is next week we want to have a bit of a look at, okay, once we acknowledge our regret, we own our regret, we personalise our regret, that we, we see the regret, we, we see it for what it is. What do we do with regret? How do we go forward? How do we deal with regret from the past? How do we deal with current regret? How do we create a world where we can eliminate and minimise future regret? Well, that's what we want to have a bit of a look at next week. The easier it is to envisage a better outcome from a different choice, the more likely you are to regret the choice you made. You'll regret it and you'll see it as a lost opportunity. And that's what 
for a lot of us, regret is it's lost opportunity. That's why it goes back to what I said at the start. The more opportunity we have in life, the more room there is for us to develop regret in our heart. I read a story, I'll finish up with this. I read a story about a man this week. He was from Liverpool in England. He used to always go down and put the lotto on. He used to go down and put his lotto on religiously every week. And he always chose the exact same set of numbers. He'd always put the same numbers on. However, one particular week, for whatever reason, he forgot to get his ticket renewed. He didn't get into the newsagents or whatever on time. He didn't get a chance to put it on. And that particular week, guess what happened? His numbers came up. Coming so close to becoming rich, but not getting there because of his own actions was too much for him to bear. And he eventually went on and took his own life. True story. He couldn't reconcile the fact that he'd come so close to having something. But because of one of his own choices, he never got that thing. And his inability to resolve that led him to take his own life. Much like Judas, his inability to find peace and resolution. And you can sit there and we can theologise all we want and go, oh, but he was meant to die and it was all that, you know, we can do all that we want with that. I'd love to sit down and theologically debate that with you. I've got my opinions about that. At the end of the day, Judas was a man. He lived like me, he breathed like me, he cut his finger, he bled. He made a choice, he made a decision. He was tempted in a certain area and he went with it. He didn't think before he acted. He acted and then he thought afterwards. It led him to make some decisions and one day he sat back and he looked at the end result of that and he went, I cannot believe I did that. I feel regret about that. What can I do to change it? And he came to the conclusion that nothing can be done. And if nothing can be done to change that regret, I can't bear that any longer. I can't live with that. And he physically ended his life. And unresolved regret in any area of our world, if we don't learn to acknowledge it and then we don't learn how to deal with it and go forward from that point on, any area of regret in our life, it will eventually kill that particular area of your life. I'll finish with this passage out of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I've, I've, I've shared this one before. It's one of my favourite passages in the Bible. Paul, the apostle. If there was ever a man that had cause to regret, I reckon it was him. I want you to try to imagine this guy is, is literally killing women and children. Literally having them killed. For what purpose? Oh, they said they believe in Jesus. Physically taking them. Seeing them put to death. Has an encounter with Christ years later goes out and starts planting churches. I wonder, I often think about this, I wonder if he ever went to towns and villages and started preaching and whether he realised it or not, there's a person there listening to him preach and and maybe he didn't even realise it, but that person's there going, you know what, I'm listening to what you're telling me now. 30 years ago, I was this big and you took my mother away. You took my uncle away. 30 years ago, you led people through this village and you, you took my friends away and you killed them and so on. And I reckon as he stood before crowds and talked, I reckon it would have been something that he was very conscious of, very aware of. When he wrote his letters in the New Testament, I think it was something he was very aware of, his past, what he'd done, the regrets that he had. And in Philippians chapter 3, it kind of boils over. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, he says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. doesn't matter who you are in this room. If anyone's sitting here going, well, I don't have any regrets, I think, you're, I, I think you're, you do have regrets, but I would, I would challenge the fact that maybe you're not aware of them. We've all got regrets. We all have regrets. We're going to talk a bit about that again next week. 
Not that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. In verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past, cutting off the anchors, and moving ahead. There are some regrets you have that you can do something about. There are some you can't. doesn't matter. You've still got to learn how to go forward. And that's what we want to talk about next week. And I love that passage. I love Paul. You know what? Paul was an amazing man. He could have said anything. He could have gone on and said, No, brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Of all my experiences, everything I've done for Christ, there's one thing I've learned, and that is this is how you preach. He could have said, you know, in all my journeying with God, things I've experienced, places I've been, things I've done, there's one thing I've learned, and that is this is how you pray. And that is this is how you plant a church. And that is this is it. No, but he said, no, he said, if I could narrow it all down to one thing, this is what I've learned. If I'm going to go forward, I've got to let go of the past. I have regrets. I've hurt people. I've done things wrong. I've made mistakes. Some I can fix, some I can't. Some I can rectify, some I can't. But in order to go forward, I've got to somehow break that off my life. And we're going to talk a little bit next week about the practicalities of that and what that looks like. So, Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for uh, this opportunity again this morning, God, to come together. God, I want to thank you for uh, this church. I want to thank you for what you're doing in this, uh, God, this neck of the woods, in this community. And, um, Lord, I pray for each of us as we go through this week, God. Let us not come to church, hear words, and walk away and just forget about it, God. Your word says we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. We need to be doers. And so, Father, teach us this week, how do we take the stuff we're hearing and how do we apply it to our world? What difference does it make to our life and what difference can it make to the world around us? Father, keep everybody safe as they drive home today. Give us a fantastic week. Bless us. Bless our kids. Bless our marriages. Bless our health. Bless our finances. Bless our emotions. And, uh, Father, be with us as we go through the next seven days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and as usual too, because of being the sort of guy I am, I always forget something. Uh, we do have the letterbox up the back there for those of you that have brought your tithes and offerings. Um, we don't pass buckets around anymore. We just pop it in the letterbox there. Yes. Oh yeah, you can still have coffee too, by the way. We don't have a one cup rule here. Okay? We don't have a one